Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. Oh my goodness, I love today's conversation. I know that I say that every week, but today's conversation is a bit different. It reminded me of some important things within my early career that I hadn't reflected on and how I got in the way of what it is I really wanted. Today's guest has an important message for all leaders. Let go of what you think your life should look like. When your life conditions change, you need to change with them. Amy Compton is the Senior HR Director at Sodexo, and what you really need to know about Amy is that she's learned to set boundaries, and it all started when she became a parent a few years ago. She realizes that she was putting all of this pressure on herself, and her own behavior was getting in the way. Listen in as we talk about having the courage to look inward at what energizes and drains you being willing to communicate what you need, and through it all, finding the path back to you. I am coming up on a couple of decades in HR. I've served in this space as a generalist and then also as a leader of Center of Excellence around talent management, um, specializing in learning development in all things enriching the talent of an organization. And it's been a fun ride has been a fun ride. In what way? Like, why would you say it's been a fun ride? Well, I stumbled into HR. Uh, I grew up my entire life thinking that I wanted to be a teacher, got into, uh, you know, teaching curriculum uh, my third year of college and realized, Ooh, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> so I ended up stumbling into HR through working at the Cheesecake Factory was Hired in as a server, um, then was able to grow in the ranks there uh, and work at a role that put me in an HR seat um, as well as an operational seat and got to wear multiple hats. Found that I was really thriving there. So then I went on to CentOS, the uniform people, and was there for a couple of years and then ended up at Car Global for a bulk of my career, uh, 10 years, leading center of excellence around talent management and learning. And now I'm at Sodexo, great organization. I think it's the 20th largest employer in, in the world, leading talent programs. Okay. So I can see why you call it a fun ride from cheesecake to uniforms to car auctioning to Sodexo. <laughs> yeah, lots of industries there. <laughs> awesome. Well, when I asked you recently to tell me about a pivotal moment, you, you told me that you really appreciated that question being so thoughtful because it allowed you to dig deep. And I know that you you had an experience that has really shaped how you lead and who you are as a leader. So tell us a little bit about that. So when you asked me, I thought, wow, can I think of a certain project where I, where I learned something that, that maybe changed how I was able to, to lead going forward? Um, and I just kept getting stuck. I thought, wow, what, is, what has really changed me? And uh, dawned on me, becoming a parent. Um, I became a parent four years ago to the most lovely little girl, Nora Kate, and it has been you know, such an experience. And I think if, if you talk to any parent, they'll tell you the same. I mean, it's, it's life-changing in a way that you, you can't put into words, um, but I'm going to try to here. So when I had my, my daughter, I spent you know, those 12 weeks at home just trying to get acclimated to you know, my new life, um, get to know her. And went back to work. I was so excited. I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in and I'm gonna be me at work. Watched all these parents over the years be able to to juggle both and thought, 
well, I'll, I'll be no different. Boy, was I naive. It didn't take long for me to realize that that's something that was going to have to give because my, my former work self really made up myself, who I was. I derived my value and my self-worth from my work. You know, I take on long hours. The problems of others became, became my problems. You know, we're in it together. Prided myself on being able to come through in a clutch. So I was wearing a lot of hats and I was focused on productivity, efficiency, and, you know, that really ugly word to me, <laughs> perfection. I was wearing this armor because I thought it was required of me. I, I thought that I needed to be this person that was stoic and could just get, get everything done. And I was rewarded for that. So, you know, somewhere along the way, I lost my curiosity and it became more about, you know, being right and accurate and controlled and that hustle brought this weighty pressure to perform and please and hurry and overwork and strive after that recognition and power. And those feelings, you know, that it can bring about are, are oppressive. But I had learned to live through that and, and really made it who I was. I mean, it was, it was me. And I think that came from getting into positions of leadership at a, at a younger age and couple that with the time I had a baby face. So I had to give, I think, more than maybe I should have at the time to show up and, and get people to see me when really they probably did see me, but I had that imposter syndrome going on and didn't think they did. So what were some of the things that you did in that transition? Well, it was hard. I remember the, the first day that I realized it. I had been in the office most of the week, that first week back, and social butterfly. I hadn't seen people in three months. So I was, you know, ready to, you know, just just chat and be be who I am there. And I found at around four o'clock, I was starting to get anxious. And um, I wasn't done with my day. I used to be the person that was there till the lights were out, and you know, the janitors would come around. Hey, how's it going? They knew me. So four o'clock to me seemed like I was checking out in the middle of the day. You know, for me it was. But I knew I had to go. And, and then I, right then, I also knew that everything had changed. So I had to stop and, and take inventory because I only had so much space now for work. I have this little human being that was taking up most of the space in my life. And I was finding that, that work was going to have to fit in there. And I knew that working was the right thing for me, uh, for my mental health. So I had to I had to pivot. <laughs> it started with really taking inventory of my days, right? Of the the projects that I was involved in, you know, really taking a hard look at where I was adding value to the organization, truly, versus just giving the appearance of adding value, right? A attending a meeting because someone thought I needed to be in the loop, and that was painful because I realized that a lot of things were going to have to go for me to truly be efficient in a way that was adding value to the organization. Um, and at the same time, helping people to see that, that they weren't losing me, you know, as an employee, my leaders see that, but that I was going to need to recreate myself. Yeah. That life is, is going to look different now. You know, this is such an important conversation. Well, first of all, I can relate so much to it and yet it's not, it's a conversation that doesn't happen often enough. I think through your story and the stories of other women who have gone through this transition, you know, we can equip and support young women in the workforce who are also having families to recognize that 
you don't have to be all things to all people that protecting yourself. And like you said, recreating yourself, that's what it's about. And that there's support in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, once you free yourself (laughs) from those pressures that, that you're the one applying, I mean, that was the hard part is realizing especially you know, during this time I was with Car Global, they didn't all want me to be there until the lights were out. Um, they didn't expect that of me, but that was what I put on them, right? And luckily everyone was so supportive. I, I had the best leadership team there and helped me to you know, start being able to, to get through the weeds of, of what I had created. That's such, such, such empowering awareness that, okay, I'm getting in the way here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so interesting. Like hearing you talk about this, I'm having some memories pop up and I can so relate to that feeling of like the four o'clock is the middle of the day. Very similarly, when my daughter Mason was born, so I was working in Chicago out of a a huge office and four o'clock would roll around and I would start to feel like that. And I felt sneaky leaving. I remember that feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but all I could think about was getting my baby girl. Absolutely. And, but feeling like you needed to apologize, you know, that you needed to, to go and, and say, hey, here's why I'm leaving. And that I'm doing something wrong. Right, right. It was that feeling like I was in school and I was going to get in trouble. So you started setting boundaries. You've got this awareness. So what did that look like? Like how, how did you set boundaries? So I really started with with what was draining me because knowing that I only had so much space mentally and recognizing, okay, what are the things that drain me that don't add value to the organization, but more importantly, <laughs> it, it won't matter to my team, right? If it's not helping my team, that was kind of the first checkpoint for me of is what I'm involved in is, is this, if I drop out of this or delegate it, is it going to hurt someone on my team? You know, someone on my team going to end up having to take on a project that may not have viability, especially like in the learning space. Um, you know, I had instructional designers and oftentimes when something gets to uh, an instructional designer's plate uh, project, um, you find that it may not even need instructional design, that a process needs to be established or this is something we just need to communicate. So I was very conditioned to make sure that I was involved in in every meeting so that things wouldn't affect my team. And so I started saying, okay, if I I drop out of this meeting, then what's the impact going to be on my team? And what I realized there is they're going to be okay. I hired tough talent and uh, I was able to also make the shift and and start promoting people within my team, and that was that was big for me too. And luckily, I had an extremely supportive boss, Marty Nallen. So he was able to help me get there as well. He took some some noise out of my day, but it was really looking at, at that first checkpoint. But then next, saying, okay, what are the things that I should be involved in that are relevant to my job and again add value to the organization? I mean, the next. What makes me happy? You know, what are what are the meetings that I'm in? Where are the meetings that I'm in where I feel like, oh wow, that was an hour. Oh gosh, could we keep going? Um, <laughs> I wanted more of that. <laughs> That's good. So also recognizing the things that gave you energy. Well, and and you know, you you talked about Marty and how helpful he was. So it also sounds like you were really open and transparent with your key stakeholders around. Hey, here's the transition I'm going through. You know, and I started asking for feedback too. 
And that was something that, because I've, I've been in the leadership development you know, space for, for a long time. So I've developed a lot of leaders and I would always talk about, ask for feedback. I found I, I didn't ask for feedback very often at all. Um, and quite frankly, when I would get it, it was usually completely unsolicited. So because it would hurt. I am one of those that I have the, um, I'm an extroverted introvert. So I like to hear the good about me. And sometimes the bad can be a little bit painful. It can drain my, my energy right out. Um, my extroverted side says, no, don't tell me that. I don't want to know. So I had to do the hard work. I really had to. And I also thought, whatever it is that however people perceive me in business, this could be how my daughter perceives me. And, and, and that also became very, very forefront of my mind was, you know, how was I going to show up as a, as a role model professionally for my daughter? So isn't it interesting that this pivotal moment of becoming a parent really shaped your leadership in such a positive way? I mean, all of these things that you're describing are really such great leadership behaviors, asking for feedback, you know, having a really keen sense of awareness around yourself, paying attention to what drains you and what gives you energy. Yeah, it's it's interesting that 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 huge change in your life really has has improved your leadership in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, four years later now, I'll say it's it's also created another pivot here where I'm finding parallels in leadership and parenting. I right away realized my daughter, um, she was her own person, right? She is her own person. And so I'm finding I, I need to listen. <laughs> I need to have a, now that she's four, um, I need to have effective conversations as much as possible constructive discipline, right? I can't just tell her, hey, don't do that. I've got to tell her why. And you know, I gotta check in on her. How are you doing today? You know, ask her how she's how she's feeling, making sure that she knows that emotions are are part of life and, and you gotta feel them. And asking her those questions, I'm getting to know who she is because she is her own little person. And um, I want to make sure that that I don't take what I want her to be or what I think I need her to be and put that on her. And that applies, you know, to your team. So you've got to, you've got to create that space where that psychological space where, where people feel that they can be their authentic self. Right. And I think once I freed myself from those preconceptions that I put on me, I was able to get in touch with my authentic self and the results, you know, were better decision-making better use of time. And so empowering others in the same way is is what I'm focused on now. Yeah. There's a quote that's come into mind. You know, it's easier to say no to something when you have a bigger yes. And all of a sudden your like your purpose in life had shifted when she came into your life. And so it really challenged you to look at everything else and figure out a new way to lead through those things. Absolutely. I love that. I'm going to steal that, Andrea. (laughs) I wish you would. (laughs) I love that. What's going in the bank? Okay. So I want to comment on your point about then this this pivot now where you're seeing the parallels between your leadership. And I mean, isn't that so true that particularly in this day where, you know, we talk so much about about wherever you go, there you are, and that there isn't as much separation, that work and life are so integrated. And so, yeah, I, I think it's so important for leaders to think about those parallels because, you know, the no doubt 
there are there are strengths and there are challenges and there are things that are getting in our way, not only with our team members, but the way in which we're leading our families. I, and and we can learn so much from both of those. You know, I I learned so much about my leadership through the challenges that I'm having leading this blended family that I'm now a part of. And I'm a better leader because of it. Just like you're describing, you're a better leader because of your relationship with your daughter. Absolutely. You know, on the on the topic of family, my husband has also been instrumental in in developing my leadership skills and just my my overall leadership approach now. He as recent as a few years ago started studying neuroscience, you know, specifically neuroplasticity. And that's the the brain's ability to change and adapt and our brain, it, it's constructed to evolve and develop with social interactions, right? So as a child, this is how we learn. You know, someone would tell us if behavior is, is good or bad. You know, those patterns that are repeated over and over, they create those strong paths in our brain that result in belief sets that our brain is used to think. So, you know, if you think of that old saying, we are the sum of the people around us, that can be neuroscientifically proven. <laughs> So understanding that as we interact with people, that's how our brains are formed and we can change that though. We can, we can create different pathways and other pathways can fall dormant and it's all according to our experiences. So learning new things and creating new connections um, that can rewire our brains. So as a leader for me, what that has meant is that I have a stimulating and influencing effect on others. I, I recognize that. You know, so you can use your role to support growth and performance just by those interactions. Yeah. And it's, and it starts with you, which is why, I mean, you started this conversation with like how important that awareness, like you had the awareness that you were putting this pressure on yourself. I mean, I, I say a lot that we are all walking around as the lead character in our own stories and we're shaping it based on the thoughts we have, the stories we tell. Right, we're shaping our experiences. It's so it's such an empowering reminder that just by changing the way I think about something, I can change the whole vibe that I'm bringing to that. Yeah, no matter what age, right? We we have the ability to change, and recognizing that, and in recognizing that who we choose to surround ourselves with also, you know, really impacts who we evolve into. Because I know if I'm not evolving, then I'm dead. Right? That's that's the way it is. Yeah. Oh, so good. This is so good. I talk a little bit more about about the boundaries. You know, you you have done such a good job of recreating and shaping your leadership to fit the key relationships in your life. And you know, I'd love to just hear a little bit more from you about how how you continue to do that. Like integrating it all. You know, you have a full personal and a full, you have a lot on your plate at Sodexa. How do you integrate and balance it? Boundary setting for me has been a challenge because it's not how I'm wired. I'm wired to be that, you know, that helper. What do you need? I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll help. And like I said, once my daughter came in, she took up that space. You know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have the capacity mentally to, to be there for everyone. That was true in, in work and life. And so for me, those boundaries, you know, they come from recognizing my limits, you know, recognizing when I'm tired, 
you know, listening to my body and saying, okay, what it is, what is it that drains me? And starting to also let go of this idea of what my life should look like, right? Of, you know, I had all these aspirations in my career to continue to grow to higher levels. And I had set this goal for myself, become a vice president by the time I'm, I'm 40. And I, I did that. And I felt probably more exhausted than ever. And so it was, again, going back to me, I, I had to let go of, of what I thought my life should look like. My life's conditions had changed and I needed to change with it. So with you know the boundaries for me were saying, what's most important? I would compare it to if you have a lot of uh, <laughs> plates in the air, right? And they're spinning. You've got to find which ones are the glass ones and which ones are the plastic ones. And the plastic ones, they're just probably going to have to drop. And so that's the inventory that I was able to take. And then that's how I started to draw those boundaries. It's not been comfortable doing so. I have to work on it every day. And I catch myself saying, okay, should I put my hand up for this? Or putting my hand up and then immediately going, oh, I probably don't have the time for that. So, you know, I have to work on it. And it it all starts with me. I'm, I'm sure that I've upset people along the way, but that's okay uh, because you know, I, I have to be true to myself first. Well, and so it connects back to do, doing the work of paying attention to what's draining you and what's giving you energy and voicing that, you know, with integrity and caring about yourself enough to say, like, this doesn't feel good. That can be hard for people. But you have to, you have to, you have to know yourself, you know, really, really see yourself. I find I'm, I'm not a great sleeper. <laughs> so, I usually meet myself in the middle of the night. If you wake up and you have a thought and those thoughts that I have in the middle of the night, that's usually my authentic self talking to me. So it's important to, to really know yourself. Um, and most importantly, just continue to listen to yourself because you're going to change. You're going to change. And you won't even know it. <laughs> you won't even know it. Oh, that's so good. Yes, you are listening to her because I do think she is speaking to you all the time. You are listening to her. Yeah, that's good. You said my life's conditions had changed and I needed to change with it. I mean, what a what a great way to take care of ourselves is to like pay it just pay attention to that, give voice to that, have the courage to say, here's what I need now as things have evolved. Here's what I need now. Absolutely. Amy, thank you so much. I also realized that I pronounced your company incorrectly. I think I said Sedexa and it's Sedexo, isn't it? Sedexo, yes. <laughs> Well, good. Well, I've come back and I've repaired that. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they won't mind. With, a, with awareness, I recognized my mistake and I'm, I'm repairing it. <laughs> so many good takeaways. You know, it starts with the awareness that you are shaping it all and that you are likely getting in the way. And so paying attention, having the courage to... Just recognize what it is that drains you, what it is that gives you energy, give voice to those things. Ask for feedback, particularly because, you know, you've talked about how important the the people that we serve, the people in our lives, how important they are. And so getting feedback from them all the time throughout and how letting go of what your life should look like. That's so empowering and just so freeing in that. I'm so grateful for your story. I'm thankful for the inspiration in it. You are such a delight. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. Absolute pleasure. You know, one thing I would, I would like to leave leaders with here is, you know, recognize that, that as a leader, 
your influence, it may very well affect the trajectory of people's entire careers and, and often their lives, right? So the real magic, you know, is making the difference that that only you can make by being a part of their story, right? So so imparting wisdom, but more importantly, you know, helping people to nurture their gifts, right? Hone hone their gifts and embrace what makes them unique and, and get them to share it. Oh gosh, what a great yeah, what a just a great description of leadership. Helping people to nurture their gifts, to see those gifts, to see their value. So good. Thank you for that. If our listeners want to connect with you, Amy, what's the best way to do that? I can be found on LinkedIn. I'm very active on that forum and welcome, welcome any, any conversation. Love to connect with people. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.